right, all right. Welcome back to Pipelines Through the Gram. Today is a wonderful day. We have a wonderful guest. You all should know her. If you don't know her, you need to get to know her. I'm going to allow her to introduce herself because I know she could say better than I could say. Go ahead. Hi, my name is Dr. Ruth Arumala, and I am very, very honored to be a guest on this podcast. Um, I've had known Namika for a little while now, and I just think he is such an amazing young man, and I can't wait to see what's going to happen in his future. Amen. I am an OBGYN. I just moved out to Mansfield, Texas, which is right outside of Dallas, Texas, and will be opening my practice here. Um, it is a hospital-based solo practice, meaning the hospital owns me, but I work alone. Um, which is really exciting for me because I've been waiting for this moment my entire life. I also have a podcast, uh, the Pretty in Pink podcast. It is on iTunes and SoundCloud, and it should be on Spotify by the end of the week. But the Pretty in Pink podcast is a podcast that is designed for women just like me who have questions that every woman should be discussing with their gynecologist, but don't actually have the time to. So... I'm answering questions that my quest, my friends usually ask me. Hey man, that's amazing. I mean, it goes without saying, Niger people. Yes, yeah, we never so carry last, not at all. At all, at all, at all. Hey, honestly, it's a it's a wonderful thing. It's a pleasure to have you um, on this podcast, and I'm sure that somebody's going to be listening today, and they're going to enjoy and grab a lot of gems. So, the most important question I want to ask, Doc, is that. Tell me about yourself. What got you to where you're at today? You know, what, what, tell, just start from the beginning to this point. So, you know, that's a really interesting question because recently I went to an interview uh, when I was getting my job. I went to an interview and um, they asked me, they said, How does it feel to be successful? And that was the first time that it ever hit me that, oh my God, I'm successful? Is this what you call success? So let me start off. I grew up in Potakot, Nigeria, um, on Uniport campus. So it's a University of Potakot. And my dad was a professor there. He's an engineering professor. My mom is a physician. And so that's where I grew up. I used to go into the clinic with my mom. And I remember one time going into the clinic with my mom, and she let me sit in the examining room with her and she asked the patient like hey do you mind if my daughter comes with me I must have been like six or seven at the time and I thought it was so awesome because after my mom treated the the guy had so a broken uh, finger after my mom set the finger she actually reached in her pocket and emptied her pocketbook and she gave this man all of her money in her pocketbook and I just thought to myself oh what a blessing she was to this guy but then you know my family decided to move to the US um, completely when I was 10 years old before that I actually went to uh, to boarding school in Owerri I went to boarding school in Owerri in FGDC Owerri so I was the youngest student in the entire boarding house I was two years younger than the youngest other person and my mom keeps saying that she cannot believe that mm -hmm. she let me go there wow. so young at eight years old um but 
it was an ex amazing experience. I was there for two years, and then my family decided to come to uh, the United States for good because we had been coming in and out. Um, so what boarding school for me is the reason why I can go through a lot of things. I remember then how, you know, we used to study with kerosene lanterns wow. and candlelight and we used to, I mean, I've had to take the bathroom, uh, use the bathroom outside, mm -hmm. you know, like, and then, you know, a lot of times we have situations that we think we can't go through, mm -hmm. but those types of, when I think back to those, those times, mm -hmm. I just think, yeah, I can go through it. Is there any period, anything when you were back home, you know, example, you remember, you know, a friend or some peers, you know, period, something about that journey in Nigeria that you can highlight right now and say, hey, I remember this, like, pinpoint. I remember having to rake outside in design. If you went to Nigeria boarding school, you know, mm. you we used to do competitions with raking. Mm -hmm. And I think to myself, like, that was kind of a pointless thing. But every Saturday morning, we used to have these competitions from either... Uh, house and mm -hmm. I was in I think I was in yellow house yeah I was in yellow house I was in blue house at one time then I was in yellow house but I remember like going hard for your team and mm -hmm. the teamwork that you put in and that kind of is something that is a part of my life now mm -hmm. and if you think about it there's no such person that's an island you have a complete team all the time Absolutely. and learning to work with people that I learned that at such an early age, mm -hmm. um, and I think that it's resonated with me and been with me throughout my life. So, you know, how has how did all of that translate to your desire to want to become a physician? Or go to so, like I said, I was exposed to medicine really early because of my mom, and I saw her go through the process of after working, you know, schooling abroad, then mm -hmm. working abroad and being a full-fledged physician and consultant, mm -hmm. and then having to go back to school um, at 51, she went back to residency, she did a fellowship mm -hmm. at, at 51. Mm -hmm. I saw her desire, I saw her grind, mm -hmm. and I thought that it was so amazing. Mm -hmm. And at first I thought, I don't want to be cliche like every other Nigerian kid mm -hmm. and become a doctor. So I went to, I did a master's in public health right oh, before wow. I went to um, medical school. Mm -hmm. And I just felt like I didn't know enough. I knew about the community's like epidemic with, let's say, obesity or mm -hmm. diabetes or opioid use mm -hmm. or things like that, lead poisoning. Mm -hmm. But I didn't know what these things were. And so I wanted to know what these things were. I wanted to be the last stop. Mm -hmm. I wanted the buck to stop at me. Mm -hmm. And that's why I think I uh, proceeded to a to a um, career in medicine. How was that um, when you when you decided to, you know, go into medicine? What undergraduate uh, study? Where did you study undergraduate? And how was the process? So I was valedictorian in my high school. So uh, when you're ranked like in the top three in our high school, what they wanted you to do is they wanted you to like spend a lot of time uh, applying to colleges. So I applied to man. Well, probably over a hundred colleges mm -hmm. and I got into every single one oh, so wow. you can imagine like my parents and I trying to figure out how to pick where I went to school but 
when I went to school, I um, I was told like, oh, you're you're smart, so you're going to become a doctor, a lawyer, an engineer. Mm-hmm. And my dad's an engineer, and I don't think like an engineer, mm-hmm. so I knew I wasn't going to be an engineer. But you, but you, but you're a surgeon. Now. <laughs> exactly. So you Can you have, imagine? You have to have that come out. Exactly. And then if you think about the fact that, you know, you, you. In law, you have to like read a lot and be able to articulate. And this is actually new for me. I used to be unable to like articulate my words. I stammered a lot, which is really interesting because now I have a podcast Mm -hmm. where I use my voice. But that was why I chose what I chose, which is, you know, people kind of told me you can do it. You know, I had seen the modeling with my mom and then I kind of ended up just being ushered in. So mm-hmm. I met with my pre-med advisor and they told me, oh, you should do neuro- neurobiology or cellular and molecular biology and genetics. I loved genetics, so I thought, okay, I'll do that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I also got another degree in psychology because I finished all my degree requirements in two and a half years. Don't ask me why I was taking like 22, 25 credits mm-hmm. a semester and I would do like winter school and stuff like that. I was mm-hmm. really crazy back then. But I ended up finishing in two and a half years and then I did a double degree in psycho- psychology. Mm-hmm. So that's what I did to get an undergrad. So if you're an undergrad, would I tell you to take my route? Absolutely not. Mm. I would say that you should take a do a major that when you finish your major... You are that. For instance, if you did dietetics, when you finish, you're a dietitian. Exactly. If you did engineering, when you finish, you're an engineer. If you did nursing, when you finish, you're a nurse. Mm -hmm. If you did genetics, when you finish, you are not a geneticist. If you did psychology, when you finish, you're not a psychologist. So you cannot generate money because in between, many people don't go straight into medical school and i will tell you i don't think it's an advantage to go straight through i think that getting some additional real life experience makes you a better doctor that's a fact that's a fact and if you go through the process and there are disappointments around the way you have something to do in the meantime Mm -hmm. where you can generate good income Mm -hmm. so if i could do it again i would have become a dietitian Mm. And that way, I would have finished, and I would have worked. And it, during first and second year of med school, I had friends who were nurses who took PR, PRN. Mm. And they worked, and they made real money. And I think also, I mean, you're, 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 you're a fitness person. Yes. You do so many things I mean, as a dietitian. It's, it's, it's beneficial to your life. You yes. Know, you, can, you don't actually have to ask somebody else, what kind of meal plan should I have? Exactly. And exactly. as a physician... You know, when you're trying to teach back to a patient about, you know, diabetes or so-and-so, at least you already have a background with that. Yeah. And I think a lot of physicians anyway, I mean, we kind of learn about diets, but some people don't actually are, they're not that versed in that, in, in that field. What do you think? I think that nutrition for me during my medical school was a week Yeah, long. Exactly. And that was it. That's all we learned. Mm-hmm. And I remember even trying to do like two TPN orders for our oncology patients as yeah. a resident. I literally became besties with the nutritionist. Mm-hmm. I'll never forget him. I used to go and sit with him. Mm-hmm. He used to calculate things for mm-hmm. me. As many times as I did it, I still didn't get it as much mm-hmm. as he did. 
So I think it would have been an advantage. Mm -hmm. Other things that are advantageous, biomedical engineering, that's a really good field, especially if you want to go into ortho or something like that to build limbs. And now that, you know, artificial intelligence is Mm. becoming a part of medicine, Mm. going into some engineering field is really advantageous. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that's a really, really good field to go into. I mean, (laughs) that's... That's exactly why I want to go into engineering. Um, just based on not based on that, but you just know yourself and know yeah. your and know your mind. If you're a builder, um, do what what basically what Doctor's saying is that if you know what is beneficial and what you can leverage with, you don't just have a degree like okay, I have a biology degree, right? What can I how how, how can I use that degree to? The only thing that motivated me was like, okay, I need to go to medical school or like go to a pharmacy school or that's that's a way to say, okay, that was a, a level one to that advancement. Mm-hmm. But even now, you know, you know, unless you want to do a be a teacher and teach biology, you know, yeah. but as far as like attaching what you're doing to your passion, you should focus on pursuing your passion, your purpose, yes. and let that build you. And, you know, these advanced schools, you know, you can still get in there. You, know, as you as just you need to do the, your prerequisites. Exactly. That's it. You need to fulfill your prerequisites. And you don't need to have a full biology degree to be able to get through medicine. You learn everything in medical exactly. school. And you learn everything you need in residency mm-hmm. and fellowship. Mm-hmm. So I think that, you know, I wouldn't recommend something nebulous, even though a lot of people do like English. Because, like I said, it's a great thing to do because if, if it's your passion. But then you don't have a... Like there's something you could do during your gap year, unless maybe you want to go teach, you know, English to a second country uh, or mm-hmm. to as a second language mm-hmm. or things like that. So, I think that that would be thinking about your long term plan mm-hmm. and your way there is really advantageous if you're looking if you're in high school and looking to go to college. Mm-hmm. So my next question will be: um, to, Was there any hardships or anything that you faced trying to get in while in medical school or even after you finished? Um, I said this before, I haven't had a lot of failures in this avenue. And I think the reason why is because I didn't reach that high. Mm -hmm. Um, I think we've talked about this before Mm -hmm. also is that, um, I haven't had like, okay, I failed an exam or I didn't get into medical school or Mm -hmm. I didn't match or anything like that. I've always been able to get through those, but I don't think it's because like, I don't think it's because I, uh, I'm that great. Mm-hmm. I think it's because I knew uh, this is going. This is safety. Mm-hmm. I never reached that high. Mm-hmm. You know. I think that if I would have, then I would have ha- faced failures because we all do. Mm-hmm. I've faced failures in many other areas in my life, but mm-hmm. I think through my medical journey, it's kind of been seamless, mm-hmm. um, for better or for worse. Mm-hmm. With that being said, I have a, I have a question to that. Mm-hmm. Being a woman in medicine. And knowing how, you know, focused you have to be in the field, how has this pursuit, you know, know, uh, affected your dating life? Oh, my. That's where we could get in. Um, So have you had any hardships in life? (laughs) More more than one. Just more than one. More than one. Slights, you know. But, um, okay, so let's start off here. I dated somebody when I was in college. Mm -hmm. And I was studying for, so that must have been 2006, I was studying for my MCAT at the time mm. when I met him, and he we quickly started dating and all of that. Mm-hmm. Then he found out that I wanted to become a doctor, and mm-hmm. he's an Igbo man. Mm-hmm. 
Okay. And he was a pharmacist. Mm. He was a pharmacist. And he said, absolutely not. I'm not going to date a woman who is going to be making more money than me, have wow. more accolades than wow. me. And at that time, well, I was just a junior in college. Who mm. knew that I would even really become a doctor? Because we all talk about it, but few of us actually go through the entire journey. Mm. So that was my very first. And I realized that, hey, man, this might be a little bit of a problem mm. if I wanted to become a doctor and I wanted to date Nigerian men. Mm. And I recall my dad had said the same thing to my mom when they first met, mm. that I don't know who's going to take care of the kids. I'm going to go to engineering. You, you're going to go to medicine. This mm. is not going to work. But, you know, they made it work. So I had a little bit of hope. So fast forward through medical school. Mm -hmm. Medical school was difficult because I was right outside of Philly and I was, you know, I would date, you know, I actually had a steady boyfriend at one point, but, you know, a lot of school demands, like you would tell somebody that you wanted to study and they'd be like, oh, no problem, I'll let you study. An mm -hmm. hour and a half later, they call you but, and you're you. so irritated. Exactly. You're like, do you realize that I'm about to be studying for 14 hours straight? Exactly. Like, do you understand what this is? Oh so it was really, really hard. I've only dated two people in medicine. Mm -hmm. So I thought, okay, let's try that route. Mm -hmm. I dated a guy who was mm -hmm. a resident when I was a medical student. And, oh my God, that guy was crazy. He, <laughs> he was crazy, like legit. But he basically, um, I think that it was a little bit of the fact that he was insecure about being Nigerian. He was also an Igbo guy, very, very wow. insecure about being Nigerian. That was a time where, so that would be like 2009, 2010. That was a time when people, like our Nigerian culture is newly celebrated. You guys have to realize that we grew up with the booty scratching, mm -hmm. fufu licking, mm -hmm. like insults. Mm -hmm. Where you grew up with the, like where being African was a curse word, mm -hmm. okay? Where people will ask you, where you're from, do they wear clothes? Mm. Do you guys have pets, monkeys mm. and all that? So from him being, he was actually really into me until he found out I was Nigerian. Wow. When he thought I was African-American or Caribbean, he was all for this. And then he found out I was Nigerian and I became like trash to him because he didn't want to, it was like a self-perpetuated hate. Oh. He didn't want to be like, cause nothing else changed about me mm. other than the fact that you just found out my last name, I'm from Delta States. Mm. So, you know, th that was really interesting seeing that dynamic. Um, when I was in residency, my mom told me, do not date at all. Okay. And I say, hey, this one is not, is not serious. I went like, to... Which, which makes sense. I went to residency at 28. She's not serious. Oh, wow. I'm about to turn 30. You're telling me to sit in my house and, and be reading book mm. instead of like my mates having children and mm -hmm. getting married. Mm -hmm. But you know what? I should have listened to her because she was 100% right. Because residency, she describes my personality like this. When you were a resident, you were like, you know when I pop corn in the microwave and I eat all the fluffy parts and that hard kernel at the bottom, you're still popcorn, mm -hmm. but you were so hardened. Like there's no way that my true personality could have come out through the process of 
stress that I was going through in any kind of relationship. Mm -hmm. That's number one. And number two, I also did not have time. So I, I, I mean, my, I'll be very frank and honest with you. The very first time that I ever found out that somebody ever cheated on me oh. was during residency. And it was very devastating to me because it wasn't just heartbreak. It was heartbreak and your ego being bruised. And I think a lot of people don't differentiate that. Your ego being bruised is actually depends on what type of personality you have. But if you have a strong personality like me, that is because it shakes you to your core. It makes you ask, like, was I enough? Why wasn't I enough? And that can be even more painful than the actual heartbreak. You know, the thing about it is sometimes when things happen, like these happen, you start questioning yourself, you know, you know, what are you capable of? And, you know, why not? You know, why did it go this way? But, you know, well, I'm happy that in the current, you know, the grass is looking a lot greener. Very green. It's luscious. And, and, it's and, flourishing. And, and, and hopefully sooner or later, the bank account will be added more value. You know what I mean? Some so, carrots. <laughs> so tell me, tell us. You know, what the past taught you and how that has helped you get into the relationship that you're in now. Tell us about that. So I had an idea of who I was going to be with and how he was going to look. The fact that he was going to be by force, by fire, Nijaman. Mm. Okay. I knew that he was going to be a man that loved God, loved his family, loved me. The latter ended up being true. I met a guy who loved God. And when I met him, I was like, this man is so boring. Is it, how can you invite me to prayer meeting as our first date? Is he okay? But like, that's what I needed. If you can't hear by my voice and my personality, I am a firewoman. I have like, I'm very, very animated mm. and all over the place. And this man is so calm and gentle and in my mind, I said, this man is boring. Mm. You know, me, I wanted gangster something that I used to say, I wanted a, a recovering gangster, wow. you know, that has actually gone to college, like people that don't exist mm. except in fairy tales, mm. you know? And so I had to let go of that. And I think the past actually taught me how to get along with people, like literally get along with people, compromise, like. Apparently, being an only girl, I grew up like my way is the only way and the world revolves around me, the sun, the moon, and the stars, they circle around my life. Mm -hmm. But learning through, through all the relationships I had, through all the heartbreaks, through all of that, I learned how to get along with people. And in addition, I also learned that... And I've said this before, I'm a traditional woman. So I'm a traditional woman in relationships, I should say that. Not necessarily in my professional life, but in relationships. And that kind of is, there's a barrier because I have a strong personality. So which one wins out with relationships? In my current relationship, I let my guy have the traditional role of being a man. Mm -hmm. Like he does a lot of the quote unquote manly things. Mm -hmm. And... I have learned to be 
strong and feminine, but not to circumvent him or overpower him in many ways. And I think it works for us. It might not work for everybody, but it works very well for us. So I think that the lesson there is to understand your partner Mm -hmm. and to be able to make compromises that work for your relationship, not giving a crap about what society says. Mm -hmm. And that's very key. Um, And I think that, uh, you know, some people, it takes them some time to get there and you have to go through life experiences. You know, you have to, especially like in surgery, before you get to where you're trying to truly operate on. There's several layers mm-hmm. that you mm-hmm. have to go through. Yep. And sometimes if you can go through those layers, it might be difficulty. That might be the whole surgery you know set. Exactly. <laughs> you might even just come in there and then there's a vessel that's bleeding. You haven't mm-hmm. got to eat. So you focus on that. So, you know, it's, 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 it's very important. And it's something that I've truly been able to understand in life. And I'm actually, of course, reshaping how I see certain things, especially mm-hmm. in my dating life. Um, without further... Um, I have another question. Um, so now that you have finished residency, you, you seem like things are coming into alignment with you. Mm-hmm. What other ways, and you mentioned your podcast, what other things do you see in your future that you feel that um, will be the next point for you? Guys, I, I have this tenant in my life mm-hmm. that you reach back mm-hmm. while looking forward. So what does that mean? That means that I take mentorship and taking care of people who are following me and reaching up to people who are ahead of me very seriously. Mm -hmm. So right now I'm working on um, an avenue to get information to people who want to take this medical journey. If you would have asked me about medicine while I was a resident, it would be hard for me to have seen the positive things. And if you talk to me, then I apologize if I didn't give you the best advice. But now with all this experience behind me and sitting where I am now, where life is great Mm -hmm. and, you know, working with patients is my life's passion. I think I'm in the right place to actually sit down and pour all my knowledge in some kind of avenue. Mm -hmm. So I'm working on that. We discussed that right before we started the podcast, but I'm looking for a way to get that information out to people for free Mm -hmm. so that you're able to get as much knowledge and as much ammunition as you have. So you go walk in with way more information than I had. Mm -hmm. I mean... From the moment I walked into, I want the viewers to know that we are in Doc's residence, and I'm going to tell you, I walked in here, and it looked like she has another career <laughs> in interior design. Um, she's very attention to detail, which you need to have as a surgeon. She's very thorough. She says that she's a perfectionist. When I tell you that where we're at, even the Moscato that we're sipping is all the way perfect. So, Doc... So, you know, you've launched this podcast, and um, and how many episodes are you in now? Oh, I think we have nine published nine already. Published. Mm-hmm. And her podcast, she's very versatile. She's talking about things in the ob you know, world, and also life um, yes. events as well. And it's all around encouraging, and it's, you know, I think, you know, when it comes to her field, it's beyond just the... Uh, um, you know, the, you know, women health and things like that. But there's other aspects to women health that 
She mm-hmm. likes to present from that, that start from outside the hospital mm-hmm. and things like that. So I need y'all to be on guard, check it out, um, and follow it up. This episode will be on there. Um, yes. But the next phase of this interview is, so now you're back in Dallas. You're in Dallas, Texas. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm from Dallas. Yes. Well, she's in Mansfield, but I don't want to give her a location to away. But since now you're here, what do you, what do you, how are you going to fit yourself in this community? How do you see you practicing and what is it that you see, you know, that you feel like you can bring to the table to change this environment? So I am starting from scratch. Okay. I chose a job that I have to build my patient population. Mm. I have nothing handed to me. I don't have one patient on my roster. So now I have to reach out to PTAs. I have to reach out to community leaders, I have to try to be on local television so that people know that I'm here, I'm in Mansfield, and I'm ready to meet you, I'm ready to work with women. So my goal is to like reach out, put my branches as far as possible in this community, and I love Mansfield, okay? I really do. I have really gone all over it, and into Arlington, and into Dallas, and into Grand Prairie, but I'm really, really excited about the next steps because I don't know. I don't have a roadmap. I'm just going every day, getting to new, meet new people, networking, and letting people know that there's a new gynecologist and obstetrician in town, and I am ready to help however you need me. And and we will definitely um, get you immersed in the Nigerian community here. Yes. Um, there'll be a lot of educational workshops and things like that. And, uh, you know, just, you know, information is key. Yeah. And now we have, you know, social media, the podcast mm-hmm. to, you know, share information, educate people. Um, what advice? So what advice do you have to those that are, those that will be viewing this, especially um, young ladies um, pursuing you know, the field that you're in or just overcoming the stages of life. Okay. First of all, the first advice I'll give to you if you're a young woman who wants to go into medicine, number one, or OBGYN is do not live your life in a silo. Mm-hmm. Don't just focus only on medicine. You need to build yourself. This is such a long journey that you need to build yourself up as a human being as a compassionate person, mm-hmm. as somebody that you, that, you know, for me, my artistic expression is fashion. Mm-hmm. Don't let anybody put you into a, you know, a into a box. Do things that make you happy. Mm-hmm. If you're a poet, continue to write poems. Don't, mm-hmm. don't, you know, say, oh, I'm doing medicine, so that's it. Mm-hmm. You, Patients are people, Mm -hmm. and they need to be able to interact with you on a personal level. Mm -hmm. And if all you know is a book, you're not going to be a great doctor. Mm -hmm. You're going to be a good, you can come up with good, Mm -hmm. you know, differential diagnosis, Mm -hmm. and you'd probably be a good technical person, but Mm -hmm. you need to be a person first. Mm -hmm. That's the first thing I I would um, tell a woman that wants to go into this field. And that's an amazing advice. Um, and yeah, definitely. Um, if you if you think about the journey, um, sometimes you have you know I used to call this you have skip lesions. You don't mm-hmm. remember those periods, those nights when you know, whether it's or you know um, anatomy or biochem or mm-hmm. just getting through. And one thing I remember, you know, I talked to you about this is that you know I remember seeing you consistently, consistently, you know, attach the gym to your hip going through the grind 
And I want you to talk about how that fitness journey, why do you work out and what does it do for your mental health? Oh my goodness. The gym is my therapy. It's not just my therapy. It's also a way to have achievement. There were many days, many, 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 many days where the only positives I got in my day was that I ran 30 minutes Mm. or that I was able to squat two pounds more than I did before. Mm. And, but this was a steady achievement because the gym is a little bit different than anything else in your life. Mm. What you put in, you're going to get out. So that's different from like, let's say when you are um, dating somebody, you can put in all this work, but that person cannot reciprocate. Mm. Same thing with studying. You could study and take 10 hours, like we said, 12 hours, and retain nothing. Mm. But for the gym, you put in 30 minutes, you're going to get 30 minutes out. Mm-hmm. You, you know, so I, I, I like that. It was a, almost an encouragement. And then also, the, there's something unsaid about the endorphins that are released yeah. in the process of working out. Mm-hmm. Those endorphins, they're like they're drug mm-hmm. to your pleasure center. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I when I when I first started, I used to be a runner. I ran marathons, full marathons, 26.2 miles, I ran them, and I used to get runners high, and I was addicted to the runners high for a while. And that 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 translated to squatting. And I've said this before with someone that was dating who introduced me to squatting and then he left and I continued, and that's life. Mm-hmm. And so these are things that 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 what helps me. So the gym really became a staple in my life after my brother passed. One, we used to go to the gym together, so I used to go there kind of to communicate with him in a sense. But secondly, because um, I took out all my frustration there. Mm. So there have been so many benefits to exercise, and the fact that I still wear what I wore in high school is kind of cool too. So. Mm. So, you know, it's funny, you you know, not funny, but you mentioned, um, I was going to ask you because uh, I know that, uh, you know, I see you, you're a strong person and things like that. You haven't had, you've mentioned you haven't had that much hardships in the field, but, uh, you know, losing a t- twin brother, mm-hmm. you know, that, that is, is unforgettable. No. Um, you know, I lost my dad, you know, in the 2016, you know, mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And then, you know, it's just like. I'm so sorry. So good, but it's like you know, I can understand that vacancy. Um, I'm sure your 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 twin brother was that person that the first person you call. Mm-hmm. Of course, you guys spent the womb together and things mm-hmm. like that. What kind of what kind of person? And like, tell us the fire, the furnace you went through after that, and how has that made you the person that you are today? I didn't live for a year. You know what? I didn't live for a year. Wow! Like I existed. I like move through the earth mm. but I didn't live for a year mm. a whole year it's been eight years now and the pain is actually so much real it's crazy like sometimes I'll say are you telling me I'll never have a conversation with Sam again like mm. are you like really you'll be driving somewhere your brain or a song that. comes on and you're yeah. like yo he would have sent me this song my, my, my brother used to to go in the studio or rap so like sometimes you you hear and you be like yo he'll be out here killing it right now or something like that you know or you think about like you like I remember one time I looked in my bank account I was a resident I looked in my bank account I had fifteen dollars left 
$15. And I was probably well, rocking well, I, Versace I, 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 outside. I, 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 exactly. <laughs> I'm going to tell you, $15 was a lot. I still remember I saved my phone yes. when I looked at my, I had like $3 and something cents. Yes. Crazy. $15. And I said to myself, now, I could always call Sam for this. But there's no Sam to call. Mm. I had to call David, who's my younger brother. And you know what? In the beginning, it was so hard for me because David was always there, mm-hmm. but he wasn't like my friend. He wasn't my person. Mm-hmm. I would also say that was also, that also complicated my dating because I felt like my heart was broken. Mm-hmm. I, how do I give a broken heart to somebody? Mm-hmm. So I think that, you know, loss is something that people don't talk about. I'm actually working on a podcast episode about loss from miscarriage and abortion because it's an unspoken horror that women go through. So loss, I don't know, it, it really shapes you mm-hmm. in so many ways. And I, I actually dedicated this 33rd year to him. So everything I'm doing is a lot of things we talked about back in the day. Mm-hmm. I remember our very, my very last long conversation with him, we were driving from um, Salisbury, Maryland, which is where my parents live, to uh, New Jersey. Mm-hmm. And then they, my brothers used to take the train from New Jersey to New York because they both lived in New York. Mm-hmm. So, And I was in med school in New Jersey. So we were t- driving back, and David was asleep in the back seat. And we talked about like so many things we wanted to do. Mm-hmm. And all those things I planned to do this year because I finally make money. I mean, hey, I can now do what I want to do. So, um, yeah. So that's amazing. Um, you know, we've been on here dissecting the journeys, asking several questions. First of all, I want to say, hey, you've accomplished. You've done amazing things. Uh, somebody in your position should just be relaxing a little bit and just taking on, you know, the responsibility of one field. But you're tapping into the next. Um, and it's very, very encouraging. Um, and I need people that listen to this to be encouraged. Um, you got to understand that your pathways and other people's pathways are not the same. Not but the, the same. But the underlying message in pursuing success is similar. Your hardship can be in academics. Your hardship could be in, in the personal life. Your hardship can be um, your, you know, limitations, whether you're, 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 you know, you need a little bit more time to read or you need to take your time to speak or things like that. Um, it could be financial but nothing is nothing is ever an excuse. Nothing. Nothing is ever an excuse because if you're given an opportunity, Doc's Doc here. She said that she went to Nigeria. You understand? She has. She saw from from a young age the value in being in America, and she valued her opportunities. And ever since then, regardless of a loss of a brother, regardless of relationship, you know, um, you know, pitfalls and the things wahalas. like that, the wildest headaches. She found ways to maintain her mental health, to keep herself together. I like to tell, I like to say that the message is find a way to hold yourself together for as long as you can till you see that white light. If you find yourself, if you hold on as long as you can, you will break through that period and you will succeed because, because you can't give up. You can never give up no matter how hard it gets. So that's once again, a word, that's a, a word. word. So I want to say thank you, Doc, for coming. Um, and everybody go and please, she's going to mention her podcast, her Instagram, go and add her follow up. She has a lot of content. It's all free. Soon come is her YouTube channel, all free content. Um, and this is what it's about paying it for. So doc, 
give them your handle and, and so we can close out. All right. My Instagram is i.am.dr.arumala. Mm-hmm. That is I am Dr. Arumala. Mm-hmm. I, um, my, po- my podcast is the Pretty in Pink podcast. Pretty, spelled normally, in pink. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a podcast that is mostly for women, but we have a lot of content. I actually have a lot of guys who have started to listen, and they tell me that it helps them understand their wife, their <laughs> girlfriend a little bit more. And we're going to have a lot more content that is non-gender specific. Mm-hmm. But I do, this is my specialty I only have female patients um, mostly. Mm-hmm. I mostly have female patients, so that's what I know best. Mm-hmm. And so I'm, I'm using what I know best mm-hmm. and sharing that forward. Mm-hmm. So I hope that I get to interact with you soon. If you have any questions, you have any comments, please uh, send me a direct message. I answer every single message. And once again, this is Pipelines through the Gram. Hey. Hey, we're just here. This is a great year. 2019 is the year of collaboration. Like I just said, we're going to do this together and we're going to get you to your success. Yes. Because it's not about what it looks like. It's about what it feels like. Peace. Peace.